1: welcome back to the lantern rouge cycling podcast for the opening weekend uh the the main course omelette had news blood recaps <laughs> both the men and the women's race both really really good races the men's was on first uh and then the women's you get to see the live coverage of about the last hour and a half and boy i've nothing prepares you really for this and how good and the tactics and games and these races and that they were both a pair of just outstanding additions with good uh weather conditions for that where were you you're back in belgium now benji you you flew in for this
0: yes sir i'm back in belgium partially for the classics partially because my niece has her baptism thing tomorrow so that was priority the classics are very important as well though so i feel closer to the race i can say that i feel close to the race and it's still light outside after the race is that the big difference with the uk
1: Oh yeah, true. It's light here, but it was snowing all day today. I, I felt really appropriate, you know, appropriate for the, the classic season. But the <laughs> men's edition, to remind you of the uh, of the parkour, it's 202 kilometers long. The first 100 kilometers that goes, uh, they sort of come from Ghent. And then there's not too many cobble climbs, cobbles or climbs at all. And really that starts 100Ks into the race. But you can have crosswinds in that phase earlier. Uh, after about 50 kilometers and then there's this climb after climb from that point onwards the finish of this used to be the Tour of Flanders finish and then they made the Tour of Flanders finish much much harder and you got the Hollerweg. Uh the first real the final really starts on the Valkenberg that's a 500 meter 8% climb and then after that the Wolvenberg 600 meter 7% and then the climbs are really tight together with the Molenberg where Visma opened it up last year uh, the Berendries ak 7 percent and then a bit of flat uh, with and then the Moa moor with 15k to go or so, followed by the Bosberg shortly after, which, yeah, is before a flat run into the finish in Nineveh, slightly like uphill kicker, I think, uh, to the finish. So it's a good parkour, Benji, because it's not too hard. It, it isn't. It can still be a bunch sprint if wind conditions were, say, headwind, but we didn't have that today.
0: Exactly, and even today the race itself. There's just so much into it when it comes to the variables of each group. And that started off early in the race. And I always feel like that's the case with Omelope. The fact that you never know if that peloton's going to come back in some shape or form. Which teams are basing in the peloton versus how many riders in the group ahead of that. And are the riders even ahead of that? Like, you got to keep in mind every single group when you're looking at this race. And I like that. It's not like you've got one rider riding away and you're like, okay, I feel like it's over. There was real tension throughout this race and especially today, which... That's why I love this today. And we gotta start, it eh? We gotta start with how the how the race started. There was a breakaway, a breakaway of nine riders, which is not little. That's a solid breakaway with yeah. some solid riders, like Ladis Bolvin from Alperson, Samuele Batistella, Gujar de Pestel, Moro. That's the the Movistar track dude. Uh as in not the team Movistar track but Movistar on the track. A rider that does well on the track. Anyway, Sean flynn and Frank van den Broek. I was curious what Frank van den Broek was gonna do, but that break didn't last for too long. Elias Maris and Jelavrmolta, that's the nine-man breakaway. And behind we saw, Visma pacing, expected. They have a Fini and basically no one else when it comes to the real rulers, unless they had to use one of their potential leaders for that. And then Ineos decided to pace. And you think that's a mistake? Because I'm, in my head, I'm like, if you're anyone but Visma, you want them to, well, you want them to basically not pace. because you want Vizma to do all the work to force them to use one of their potential leaders as a domestique as early as possible? Or do you see it not as a, a major mistake here?
1: I, I, when I saw the, their start list, I knew they would do that because <laughs> it's like a it's, a it's a sunk cost fallacy. They're like, well, if we bring Worth to the race, the only thing he can do is that role in this race. So yeah. he'll, he'll help pull. That's, like, that's true, and same with Puccio, but that helps visma lisa bike who yep. trying to bring six leaders and trying to protect six leaders so you kind of you want a Feeney to burn all his bickies and little trek didn't help with the clerk yep. um and no one else did i don't think i mean did it change the race massively no no uh anyos pacing or not it's not the biggest deal in the world it's just um i was surprised to see so much cooperation with visma
0: today yeah, that's true. And obviously it was only Affini at the front, but Wirth at the front as well. And to me, it's once again that extra, like if this was a team doing this that didn't have historically poor tactics last year and so forth, then I'd say, okay, it's a one-off. But Enios consecutively in, in so many races has like tactics that are less than you'd expect for a team like Enios, a team with that budget should have people in the car that are like tactically like super competent in my head. And every now and then we see these moments where I'm like, ah, I would have done it then i would have done it differently but hey i'm obviously not that genius either. that being said those two were pacing but before we get to the echelons how's your training going
1: well yeah we got 18 days benji ourselves until our classics challenge and joint cycling is preparing me for that the best adaptive training uh platform and plan on the market it's you can go in set your availability adjust your availability set your fitness level set your FTP and then if there's not one of the hundreds of specific events that there's a plan for around the world so if you have doing the marmot doing a specific grand fondo you can go in and select the plan for that race or that event and it generates a plan catered towards the demands of that event Even if you don't have that you can select like i did the classics training plan or the one day training plan put in the kilometers the meters elevation gain and bam it spits out the appropriate training plan for you and your characteristics if you want to check out join cycling which many of you already have and it's so great to see so many of you training and using the training plans on the platform and enjoying it if you want to get a 30-day free trial use the link down below in the show notes no credit card required whatsoever and then after that 30 days you'll even get an offer for a discount of 6 month subscription to join cycling so download it in the Google Play Store or the uh iPhone App Store today if you if you want to check it out which i'm sure many of you will thanks to join cycling for uh, sponsoring this show and our opening weekend coverage no coverage, though, of the race, Benji. This was the frustration. This happens every year. I won't dwell on it too long, but it's, it's frustrating. Oh, you will? Okay, go off. For at
0: hey. least 15 seconds, I'll I will rant coffee. about the fact that you'd expect sports out to be the first with live pictures, right? They weren't even the first. NOS in Netherlands was faster. Eurosport had live pictures earlier. And they just keep ranting on like, okay, I'm interested in what Jan Bakalans and Greg van Avermaet have to say, but not for half an hour before I'm low. I want to see the bloody race, especially when shit hits the fan, and shit was hitting the fan, because there was a segment in the earlier phase of today's race, past Audenarde we go upwards, northwards, and we had tail crosswind in certain areas. So the teams that did their research would know that the wind there would be relatively, uh, relatively high, and that the area that the wind is coming from, in an open area where the riders are, could benefit for echelons. And I'll be honest, I still... Can't figure out perfectly at which KPH the wind is good enough for echelons or not. But teams should have been prepared that something could happen there. And someone decided to rush it, but it's off the broadcast. So I don't know which specific team decided to launch it. I'm guessing it's either Ineos or Visma, because they were the teams that were taking control before that moment happened, but it's impossible to know. And an echelon of 23 people opened then. What's your reaction of that?
1: We are on the cover, I don't... Listen, if they've not got the coverage planned for this moment, that's fine, whatever. The problem was also when the live coverage did start, they're still doing talk shows or interviews, yeah. and it's like, really, no one cares. Like, you're putting the whole event on, you've got Van in G1, Dali in G1, you spend all morning doing the talk show. You know, that's fine, yeah. people might watch it, but don't talk over the, the race. I was, really, I was surprised to see that. Anyway, I'll put that to side. It just does shock me that sometimes we'll see uh, six hours of Davide Bice in the breakaway in yeah. In, in a Giro and we don't get full omlo coverage I don't understand how that works I know there's economics involved um, the, the key thing that I saw when that G2 formed Benji because there still was the breakaway yep. was pretty much everyone's here uh, of the top favourites Dele's there with a teammate Du Bois correct me if I'm wrong uh, Philipson's correct. there with Gurgle and Bova's ahead Peacock's there with three teammates Roe Swift three. Turner uh, Vismir, there were five. Uh, Athene, Jorgensen, Van Aert, and Laporte. Can't remember Benod. who else, but no. And the only teams that really missed it, and I could, I knew they would be chasing with FTJ with Kung, yeah. and they had, they had Pithy handing out bid ons, I think, today instead. So maybe he would have made G2. Uh, I dare say he and Behind. Bahrain. And, and in, the, in the photo, I saw. Right and front Mihilovic were there with Visma when the echelon started to kick off. You yeah. can see they're putting it in the gutter. So I don't know how Bahrain missed it. They got Moric Mohor- as well. Tratnik missed it. He was also there at the front. Um, so maybe it was the rotation after and they got spat. I don't know. Yep. But it's to be honest, it, when I saw that G2, I thought they're not actually going to go full, Benji, because like one team, one and a half teams will chase behind. And Visma don't like they got numbers, but every other favorites there too. So why would they just kill two guys to
0: pull Pidcock away? I think the reason why everybody kept going and I feel like Visma did most of the work with keeping it going from the pictures that I saw on on Sporza as the live ticker was happening because broadcast wasn't there yet. Affini was still there. I think that's a major factor. If is not there in the initial part. They probably will will feel a bit risky about continuing this. The fact that Ineos was there with four riders means that they will probably be willing to, to push this through because now it's four against five instead of having the teams that they initially have where you'd expect Visma to have a dominance over, over Ineos in its total. So Ineos with the numbers, probably paces. Little Trek with the numbers, probably paces, even though their main cobble leader for this race, because I would have expected Styron to be the main man going into this race because Milan is like the sprinty backup option. Is not present here, so they missed it with Steven. they're still pacing even though they have Kirsch, Milan, Skrins, spoilers, Skrins would have a, a pretty good day afterwards, yeah. and Tim de Klerk in this group, and maybe because Tim de Klerk is there as well, they also feel like that they have that option to keep riding here. When it comes to Lotto and, and Philipson's group, Alpeson, couldn't think of the team name for a second, Quickstep. and Quick Step. I don't mind that they didn't ride as much. I think that's a good idea because no, these other yeah. blocks have to take care of it.
1: I agree. Like, uh, it was good for Quickstep that Asgren and, and uh, Moscon were there. That's yeah. better than nothing. Like last year, better than missing it completely. But then I thought some strange things started happening. So they catch the breakaway. Wellens puncture.
0: Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, I was going to talk about the Wellens puncture. Yeah, that's big for him. I think the Wellens puncture might indirectly have changed quite a lot of this race. Yes. Because if Wellens stays in that group, and he gets into the final, and And he he gets into that eventual group, which he probably would have been in indeed.
1: The seven he gets in, for sure.
0: That's an extra rider to to go in against the numerical advantage of of Visma, but also an extra rider to keep the the group going. I generally think we've got a completely different race depending on whether Wellens punctures or not.
1: And some information at this moment on the race ticket was that an, as the Morgado abandoned the race. Yeah. So that also <laughs> wasn't, didn't seem to be the case later on. So that is an important moment. Affini also punctures out of that group. So it's now like the, the one dedicated Rouleau Domestique is no longer there for Vizma Lisa bike. So they catch the breakaway. Big group. Alberson got got three riders. Some curious things start happening. Asgren's rolling through. And we see Lampart really pushing the group behind with FDJ. And Moscon's also looking really, really good in, G- in group one now. And I was like, why Quickstep pushing behind? Are they trying to get Alaphilippe across? I didn't really understand that. Pacing both groups. Secondly, Van Art was very active in this phase, pulling. Pigcock yep. pulled a bit and then he appropriately hid because he's got three domestiques. If, if, if someone wants to pull, Roe can pull. And Benoit wasn't pulling in this phase at all. Uh, this is before the Waldenberg. Uh This is like I don't know, was seventy k's to go, Benji, uh, yeah, roughly, give or take, in a sort of twenty minute phase. There, Jorgensen is pulling a lot, and Laporte is hiding a lot too. So I was like, why yeah. is that not doing all the work? Maybe if he doesn't pull, then the group dysfunctions. I don't know, but that was something to note. Uh, Dele was, I think, doing a pretty good job not doing more than his uh fair share but then there were some crashes behind benji i think ftj went down with Kung,
0: exactly and mohoric was stopped by the crash and a lot of domestiques of teams that might be needed later would also be stopped by that crash so that's another point in this race this crash also probably hindered the the group behind quite a lot and that also might inflict a completely different race so it's cycling so these small things was relatively big crash to be honest i think sebastian grignard was in it for a lot when um, some other riders, I don't know who was involved, to be honest. I think Alaphilippe had some, had some wounds already at this point. I don't know, don't know if it was this crash or one earlier in the race, but that crash caused the chase to be a, a smaller group. And, like you said, FDG was basically the leftover team in that front group after the crash, in like the, the front peloton behind the, the group of Bonard and so forth. So FDG was the team pacing then. So we've got FDG pacing against... The group that we have ahead so that's a scenario i have with about let's say it's about 60k to go eventually bahrain you see moving back to the group 10ks later so that's 10 kilometers where bahrain couldn't help the pace because mohoric was behind for example so that's also stuff that happened but i feel like the next phase of the race where something really hit the fan was the wolvenberg and it's these these small moments because in the run into the wolvenberg on the valkenberg already i feel like I feel like Ineos at the start of the Vulcan was coming to the front to start pacing a bit higher, to put some pressure on the group and drop some baggage in the group, and then it was Moscon attacking with yeah. Laporte following the wheel. I'll be honest, I'm not a fan of Moscon as the history he has as a person, but I was pretty bullish on the transfer and the dude delivered today. Like He didn't stay in that group for the entire race, but... He was better than every single other quick step rider in the race.
1: Yeah, I mean, great transfer, like by low, by low and you could get a guy who nearly won Rupay two years ago, not that long ago. Yeah. So he, he he was super strong today. He just rode really bad, like really not smart. Like he was being the initiator and really the wrong phase because Visma <laughs> suddenly disappeared from the front. Laporte starts just following moves. And Moscon's pushing, pushing, pushing. And then, bam, all of a sudden, second Hollerweg, Jorgensen's at the front, driving it. Yep. And it's like, Moscon's just spent his bickies right before Wismar about to probably launch something. And then that's what happens on the on the Wolvenberg, is that Wismar try to thin that group completely. Yeah, like, Lars Boven was already dropped at this point, but they're trying to get it down to, you know, three in six, three in seven, two in five, uh, rather than four in 25. So... Or four and thirty, which is what it was, and that's what happens. uh They eventually they get that group. I,
0: I think. What was the group at that point, Benji? It was. It still had quite a bit of rise Like the bust was still involved. philipson was still involved when the Wolfenberg hit, hit the starting point, and when Jürgensen and Vanad made that move, the lee was close on the wheel, and you started seeing rider by rider dropping in the background. then the first things I noticed was Ineos was starting to be dropped off the back. Pitcock was literally isolated by the the last 25% of the Wolvenbeck. So then I was like, okay, this changes the front group because now you don't have those two teams against each other. It's going to be Visma versus the rest from this point onwards in this group. And then the group started getting deteriorated even more with, I don't know who made the move because I think there were like 10-ish riders at the top, but there was like a a bit of a continued run, continued percentage upwards on top, which meant that, Whoever made that eventual move, it's probably a Visma rider, to be honest. But that eventually led to a group of, I think, seven riders. Yes. Panard, Laporte, Jorgensen, Pirkok, De Deli, Moscon, and Squins. And Moscon, you said he was in trouble before already, but this was the point where he would start getting in trouble, probably, properly. Yeah,
1: he, he fully blew. Like, he, I think he dropped when they were just pulling on like a false flat next time. He just full cracked. Yep. Uh Getting
0: Carter, actually.
1: Yeah. Uh, so he went over his limit. Asgren was already dropped on the Wolvenberg move, so he didn't have that bounce back. Ala Philippe freshly shaven. He's had I swear he crashed <laughs> twice or three times today, poor guy. Yeah. So he crashed multiple times. Not a good day for him. More quick step in the end. And Schoens is has lost Milan. And he's lost uh, De Klerk and so he's also on his own. Although he's got he's got
0: Milan behind the Peloton Mate. at the at this point. Oh, yeah, sorry. He's got Milan behind, but he's also got diamonds. And we're he's about to di- see that He's soon. got
1: diamonds in the legs. But the peloton at this point, I've got to be honest, I thought this group starts relaying yeah. eventually. You Jumbo pull maybe three, four minutes, and then eventually they get a pull out of Schoons, They get a pull out of Pidcock. It starts relaying. I'm looking at group two in, in, in shambles. FDJ already been, been pulling for 20 minutes, 45 minutes an hour. Bahrain don't know where they are. I'm like, Mm -hmm. Pelton's gone. We're never going to see them again. That's what I thought at that moment when that Wolvenberg move and then the following splits happen. I thought, yeah, they're never coming back. And then I would say this group cooperates for a little bit, Benji. There's some like no major moves from Visma, but there's some... Jorgensen and Laporte go with the Schoens and, yeah. then, and then Van Art loses the wheel just five meters and Peacock has to close it. Peacock seemed to get flicked a lot in this phase. The lead
0: didn't too much. I feel like they both were kind of getting flicked every now and then and there, there were just so many moments where I saw like either it was Peacock or Schoens like going off a bit and then one Visma rider in the wheel and then I was like okay so now the Dele- Lee Dele- and Peacock are stuck behind with two other Visma riders. Who's going to close it down then pitcock starts to bridge that so they always had to like solve the problem after the gap was created every now and then indeed pitcock was was caught behind a few times but also the lee in those phases in my opinion and uh, there were some attempts like on the Yakere like you said from laporte and so forth but it really came down to the Molenberg, where i was like okay is something gonna happen here because now if you gotta look at the teams tactically visma the gap is still one minute in the ticker on the left top roughly. Yeah. So if you're Visma, are you already on the Molenberg going to split up the group, knowing that that's gonna probably increase the chances that the group that's on one minute gonna start pacing harder, or will you wait to start rolling attacks on the others in the group until you get over the 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 andries and the Elvenberg for example? So uh, I was looking at that phase as like okay I might not actually expect to move on the Molenberg from from Visma at this point, and it was squins that went to the group, to the, to the top in the group, in the front.
1: So, so DeLe and Peacock had basically, from what I've seen, been bullied into just cooperating. Because the thing is, you either pull 16% of the time, have a yeah. steady pace between the climbs, or you're going to get attacked. And I think DeLe made the correct, you made the correct decision, just pull for three seconds through and not have to solve that problem, and then maybe you can be the best on the climbs. That's why when you're like, why, why would these riders work with Visma? Why would they work with Visma? Because you're going to get attacked. Or you have to. You, you, have, you have to. Skrins was the one who, he was saying, nah, I'm no, I'm not pulling initially. He was really like conserving his energy. And then, yeah. bam, he goes
0: on the Berendries and he's got a gap. Wait, I want to mention before you mention that, you just said Skrins went on the Berendries. But if we looked at the Molenberg before that, when Skrins paced to the top, Pitcock yeah. was on a bit of a gap, and that goes into what I feel like I have to say about the the Behrendrys, where, yes, Squins made that move, Wout van was the one responding to Squins, and he responded a bit later, which means that there was a bit of a gap to close, but then least started like looking at Pitcock, and I think at this point, he might not have seen that Pitcock was in trouble on the, on the Molenberg, but that was the wrong thing to do, because then he had to respond a bit too late, which means he's... He spent more energy closing the gap to Van Art, who yeah. seemed to have trouble closing Squins. And, mate, I was shocked.
1: Yeah, squins looked incredibly strong on the Berenjans. And the Berenjans is not cobbled, correct me if I'm wrong. It's a fast correct. climb, but Node's good on this sort of climb. Pidcock should be good on this sort of climb. squins was very good on this sort of climb. It suits these guys with two minutes who aren't the heavy classics guys, the, the super heavy guys. And so, yeah, squins was really, really strong. And this, the race already flipped here, Benji, where I was like, if Schoen is good enough to drop them and one of Peacock or Delea join him, Visma could be gone. (laughs) It's like like when one guy attacks on a mountaintop finish and a team has looked like there's an illusion of strength. They've got five guys, they're pacing, and then just with one attack, they look bad. I thought, are they... Example. Or it was Van Aert just not trying to accelerate too much and he thought, I'll just catch him. What is he going to do, a 50k solo?
0: It felt like the moment on Granon when Micah went to the front and all the Jumbo domestiques started dropping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, wait, this flips the table. Squins being this, this good. Because at this point, I was like, from all the people in this group, who would I like want to give this victory to the most? I think Squins would have been School like us, a, for sure. an epic bloody winner at this yeah. race. But if that happens or not, we'll continue onwards. And after the Behrendrys, we... Well, first of all, Pitcock once again gets slightly gapped on the Behrendrys, so he clearly had something missing to follow every single one of yeah. the attacks. And then we get to the Alver- Alverenberg, uh, which is like the last climb before the Mür, and there's like a, a 10-ish kilometers, 12, yeah. 15 kilometers, roughly, flatter section between that climb and the Mür von Gerardsbergen. And that's where I was like, okay, this is the moment where I'd expect... Of visma to start rolling attacks and they started doing that and from from the least perspective and from pitcock's perspective and from Squin's perspective now it's important that they just they just have to respond to everything well
1: eventually they can't respond to everything and i think yeah. what they decided was there's three riders here two of them if they go solo here you probably won't see again laporte and A if you give them 25 seconds you probably won't see them again uh, but Jorgensen, they're like, we, ha- we have to pick our poison. You have to eventually let one go. You cannot for 12 kilometers get countered before the moor over and over and over and over and over. And I think Van went once, De Lee was on him I think if probably in hindsight, Visma could have gone with Van Aert again in this phase. And what was clear as well, Benji, was they can't wait for the moor If they just roll turns to the moor, De Lee might just ride away. Shikun's might just ride away So, and Pickcock, you're right. Like, he looked like he he was like, if he had an energy bar, he was like losing a linear amount every climb to to the point of, you know, zero. Uh, But in this phase, Jorgensen counters just over a crest, zero reaction. Deleon's like, no, not our problem. We don't know it at this point watching live. But Jorgensen goes clear, very similar to Van Barla, who did after Molenberg. The peloton behind must have gained all their time in this flat run-in. They must yep. have gained so much time back because G2 stops, basically. Every year.
0: Every yep. year this happens, and it comes to the point that you see that one minute at the top, and suddenly you see them in the background of your, your video image when, when everybody starts turning up to the Tim mute Rollins,
1: I was like, what the fuck?
0: <laughs> I was like, there's a rider there. <laughs> there was no rider there. <laughs> and like... To, to set the standards, to set the, the stakes at the, at the bottom of the Mür, Jorgensen has a gap of roughly 20, 25 seconds, yep. if I remember from mine. Very similar to Van Bala last year. Exactly. And then behind that, there was a supposed gap of one minute, but then suddenly <laughs> Wellens was literally behind them, like on the, the vestibule of the Mür.
1: Morgado did big work closing that down, pulling and chasing
0: Morgado, waiting? who abandoned the race at the yeah, start, apparently. but suddenly showed up in the race again. So maybe they did the substitution that we. Uh, huh. They did the substitution that we expected them to do on the one day. <laughs> but no, on, on, a, on a serious note, then I was like, this changed the, the game completely again. So we've had so many bloody plot twists in this, in this race. And that's what made today's envelope so bloody special. And when the climb started, I, I expected, okay, the people in the group of Squins, Lee, and so forth, the riders that are not Visma need to keep pacing on the Mür as hard as they can to the top to get as close as possible to Jorgensen as, as possible, and hope that fresh blood joins them while climbing the, the Mür. And that was happening, because Wellens was starting to close down, and by the top of the Mür, everything was so close together. Jorgensen had 8 seconds according to Ray's radio, 14 according to the the Graphic on the left top, but it looks like it looked like eight seconds to me, and he
1: looked like he was blowing too. Yeah, and um. Lee, well, I, I thought I in ahead? this phase, well, like Dele goes on the moor, he goes super hard, he doesn't drop Van Aert and Laporte. So Van Aert, who looks suspect on the bear injuries, him and Laporte yeah. actually look pretty solid on the move. Dele wasn't getting rid of them, and then I thought with the peloton pressure behind, and by the way, this wasn't like 10 riders. Wait, this yeah. is a full peloton who are, 90% of the riders have been sitting in the wheels for the last two hours. I was like, Laport, if, Laporte or Van Aert, they got to go again before the Bolsberg uh, because Jorgensen's not keeping this gap because Wellens Benji, he was a man on a mission. He was just like, he really injected yeah. some impetus into that chase group because Dali, Pidcock and Schoon's were kind of defeated. They're like, oh, we've been just been rolled by Visma for, for an hour now. And, and Wells is like bang on the front, chasing into that false flight fast downhill. Laporte gets on his wheel. And we're thinking, oh, are they going to go away? Closed down by Schoons or, or De Lee. Uh, And so it's basically a full regroupment with Jorgensenstein, the Bosberg, five seconds ahead. Yeah. Ivan Garcia Cortina <laughs> attacks over the top for Movistar. From the death. And Zue does not forget Mateo. <laughs> <laughs> attacks over the top on the on the Bosberg, and yeah goes goes past him and van ars like holy it has to get onto his world and then they have a gap and we're thinking who is in this tra- who is in group two who what who is in the peloton now there could be
0: anybody here They've got Garcia cortina attacking and the bozberg made a really big difference here because it causes that that peloton that's storming towards his front to split apart once again and we see what's very important a lot with domestiques in the last three positions of the entire group. So those are the riders that Adelie would need if any attacks start forming right now. And we get over this, this segment, we got a group of, let's say 20 is my pure guess, 20, 25. The likes of the uh, Trotnik and on have joined this group and Adelie's still in that group, but he's solo, Wout, Fanad Laporte, all those riders are still in there. So now I'm like, okay, Kung's back as well. We're gonna see attacks here. And I think you we saw a few- yeah, we saw a few moves here. I don't remember who before the eventual decisive attack, but I think Kung went off for a little bit, or was he the one chasing an attack?
1: I'm not sure. All I can remember is this the big Jan Tratnik move. And yeah. I, it just goes to show how much you don't want to go to the finish with the Lee after last year. Because Jumbo got six riders here, or five riders, Aert yeah. and Lepore. They could just set up a lead out here. It's a flat run-in. There's no Phillipson. It's basically just the Lee, and Tratnik goes. And Niels Pollitt, he like tacks onto it, really impressive attack. It reminded me of him winning that Twitter France stage in' 21, where just on this last drag, he just cooked, I think, right an on, on Imanol Erviti. Yep. and he comes, he's on UAE now, his first big classic for UAE. And they got no sprinter, and he goes with Tratnik. And then this was a really complicated run in Benji. there's a lot of questions here, it's like. Does, does Tratnik relay? Does Visma chase? Does Visma counterattack again? Will Niels Pollitt stop pulling? Who, who is going to chase behind if Visma don't help?
0: And the difference happens when the third group comes to the second group, being led by, I think, Brent van Moor, who storms straight through that yep. chasing group to the front and starts spacing that. And basically, the I think it was a three-man Lotto train there. Brent Van Moor, Kampenarts, and Bullens was there as well. And they started pacing like crazy with a gap of 16 seconds on the left Top, I'm pretty sure. And now we've got a, a two-man fight at the front, Trotnik and Paulid against Lotto Destiny. And I think that was kind of it. There was you know Wex Rider as well. I think Tiller was yeah. also doing the work. So both of those teams were trying their best to try and close this down. And it was like. How many kilometers are we to go at this point? Seven? Eight?
1: Seven, yeah. And so what basically happens is Tradnik refuses to relay for the, while the gap is, is created and while the Lotto, Lotto Destiny domestiques are working full gas and they got three guys, I think. So Lotto chasing full and this is really important for the finish. Pollard does all the work to hold that gap stable against three guys for mm-hmm. like three, four, five kilometers. Really cooks himself here. And you can see Tradnik's freewheeling. The size difference is is comical, in his wheel on this far <laughs> section too, and then eventually he gets to the point where and I didn't I didn't also know the answer where it's like if Pollitt pulls this much, yeah, he's bigger. He might in theory he he will have a bigger absolute five second and ten second power than than Tradnick because of his size in a sprint finish, but like if he has to do this much pulling, Tradnick can take his chances, and then. It got to the point where whole looked like Lotto were coming back. Tratnik eventually relays a little bit. But I think Lotto... It's like, if you hold the gap stable, Benji, as the lead group, you're actually winning. Obviously, that's a very obvious statement. <laughs> you're winning because the domestiques are burning off behind. Uh, yes,
0: you're also burning off at the front. True. But it also depends on whether you then start looking at each other in the last kilometer, which in this case, they didn't because Paulette just kept on storming through, kept on storming through until they hit... 250 meters to go. Then you've got a sprint between the two riders and Jan Trotnik comes out of the Wheel of Poland in the last 200 meters. And, Boy well, just has to sit down. Trotnik yeah. keeps going and we see in the background that it wasn't going to be for the peloton. They were too late. And Jan Trotnik wins for Visma Lisebike. How many years in a row did they win now? Three?
1: Three years, yeah.
0: That's a, a good streak. And with three different riders, a different rider every time, they had the team to... To win with six potential riders, it was Trotnik that did it. And I got to be honest, I kind of saw a classic win for Trotnik coming because February, he was so bloody good.
1: Yeah, he's in Classic hand, he was incredible. And Mercia behind O'Connor, he was really good. And now he gets the win here. I must say, when that group, when the echelon was created and then the group of seven went, if you then told me Jan Trotnik and Niels Pollard are going to win solo, I would say, how? So that's why this race was so exciting, I guess, because yep. it just completely turned on its head before the moor. And you you, you left screaming like this complete plot twist of you expect, oh, these are going to play their numbers and they're going to go away with one of them on the moor and he's going to go solo and they're going to get protected behind. And then all of a sudden, is, is this going to be a sprint? It's, I thought it was a really, really exciting uh last hour of this race. And if you might be wondering, why did Paulette pull? I don't think... I could tell that Tratnik was going to win maybe with two and a half k's to go because yep. he came to the front he took a pull and he looked really confident and he pulled and and Pollitt wasn't like straight on the wheel. He was all he was like really struggling and I thought Pollitt's already cooked himself here. And then you get to the finish and it's like, yeah, Pollitt could have suppressed. He had a little bit of margin but- because they won by eight seconds in the end, but he got no sprinter behind. He's had no classics results since Roubaix on Katusha. Yes. He's just got, you know, people, previous team managers maybe saying he was overpaid at UAE. Second, is better than 35th in the in their sprint behind. And they got no sprinter behind. Wellens ain't coming fifth.
0: Overpaid at, oh, his previous manager is saying that he was overpaid now at yeah. UAE or so, yeah, in that yeah. way. And I fully yeah. agree. I, in hindsight, you could say he had some leftover, but if you're in the race, if you're a dad rider, you don't know how close they are. Like you might hear some screaming in your in your ear saying, Oh, it's that many seconds. And they're probably saying, watch out. <laughs> yeah. They're yeah. probably making you more nervous in in like some way. So I completely understand that he kept on writing because second is the best result UAE could have gotten from this point onwards. Keeping in mind that he didn't know how close the other group was in my head, because the, in the group they weren't gonna win, like you said, they don't have that sprinter, and it's so, not like Wellens can re-attack in the last 500 meters. So, I see it that way when it comes to the group behind. I, I think there was a moment with 2k to go where I spotted, uh, I think it was Berlin sitting next to the Lee, in like, because he moved back from the train at the front because they probably wanted to like place him for the sprint, which that's an interesting one because I was thinking through this and. If you're Lotto in this situation, do you say to Berlins, put DeLi in a good this, uh, position because next to the victory, we also need to think about UCI points? Or do you say, which this is the thing I would have gone for, which they eventually also did, is DeLi, you find your position yourself and Berlins goes to the front and starts spacing again. They, they did that with like 1.2, 1.3k to go. But then the thing you, you need to think about is who do you put the lead in then when it comes to positioning? Because You just got to take your thinking, chances. If, if you then say, who's got most riders here? Okay, Visma has the most riders for a lead out, but Visma will only start doing their lead out if Trotnick is caught. Yeah, yeah. So basically you're choosing between racing for the win or UCI points if Fanad is the one you're trying to follow in your solo positioning fight.
1: I think Quick-Step did it properly in Kerner in 2022. They spent all of yep. Jakobsen's lead out chasing the breakaway in, uh, in Kerner that year, and he won the sprint behind on his own. You just have to risk it because if you don't catch them, uh, a new slash, you don't win. And I think they wanted yep. to win. I don't think Deleuze thinking about coming third for points. He wants to win. And, and to UAE's point as well, Wellens was top three strongest guy in this race last year. You know where he came? 26th. And he was top three strongest in the race last year. Yep. And so I can understand. And also, by 500 meters to go, Paul already knew he was not going to win. He already knew. There's no way he didn't think I have... He, you know, he's pulled full gas for 10Ks yep. with Tratnik largely. So it's too late at that point. And, and if you if you surplus at 1K, you, get, you just get caught. So it's... I don't really blame what he did at all. And big win for Tratnik. Uh, in the sprint behind, Laporte seemed to do like a reverse lead out, which was probably the right thing to do because they didn't know where Tratnik was. And then Van Aert jumped, I think, when he saw Tratnik winning, or he just jumped, got into the slipstream, and then came third behind Paul, Oliver Narsen, a good result. Uh, yeah. Fourth, I dare Consistency. say. Consistency. Well, decathlon, that bike, man. That must bike yeah, must be good.
0: I swear he does it every year, no? We got to take a look. I want to I wanna dive into this for a second. Fourth this year. Last nah, he, year he last got. Last year he was Ratchet in okay. the Classics. 19th. And then the year before, fourth. Then in 2021 he was 19th. He gets 19th and fourth every single time. Oh. Just switched around. Oh, seventh the year before. Decathlon
1: are back. They are. <laughs> Decathlon are they a top five best team in the world? That's food for thought. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but they are. Seriously, they look completely different team this year. Yeah. Uh, I dare say he might even come third if there was space on the on the barrier there. Uh, but still, after a very nervous race, uh, I'll read out the full top ten. Uh, Tratnik, Pollitt, Eight seconds back, Van Aert in third, and fourth, Laporte fifth, Lawrence Rex a very nice result in sixth after Binney was, you know, too cold for him. Sturvin seventh, Pitcock eighth, Trenton ninth, uh, and De Lee tenth. That Pitcock eighth beating De Lee is like surprising after, uh, like after being sort of really really struggling in the in the last few clients. So still had a good sprint, I would say. Yeah, just a good race uh, overall, Benji. It's Visma end up with one three five. Yeah. But on the Bosberg, it wasn't, it would have been looking that good.
0: Or maybe yeah, it was. Lost.
1: Maybe it was. Maybe I don't if know. you just maybe everything that happened before allowed what happened to happen later.
0: Nothing was lost in the race at any point for Visma. They were always in the running for the win, which you'd also kind of expect if you've got six potential leaders in this race. Yeah, but I but, think
1: people thought Van Aert, after all that before, was just going to power away on the Moor,
0: you know? Well, after his weaker moment behind squins, I didn't see that anymore. So that was really the, the change in my head from that point onward. So uh, I even thought that Laporte might be better to do that than Van Aert after that moment. Because Laporte hadn't shown that weakness yet before. And when it comes to Trotnik, it's interesting because this is the second year in a row where... The groups merge together and a Visma rider counters that wasn't in the original split.
1: Yeah, that's what happened with Van Baal after the Molenberg. He wasn't in the front 10 riders. Uh, I don't know how far back he was, but I I would like to know like, were the. It seemed like Benji that actually being in the group behind was an advantage in the end. Like Garcia Cortina attacking on the Bosberg fresh wellens being in the wheels and then bang he's fresh for the moor and smashing it and whereas like the the front group are just they've been working each other over and knocking each other's you know trying to throw punches for the last hour and a half
0: from a from a tactical perspective if you take a look at races where you've got a rider in in the front for example and the rider can sprint for example if you're if you're wowed or if you're the lee in those races, let's say Wild was on a weaker team. Like, Lidl- Lee is the perfect example for my taker, actually. So if you've got DeLi in the front group and it starts going wrong when Jorgen- Jorgensen goes off the front, is there a moment that you should start already thinking about starting to even perhaps space behind? Because yeah. that's also a risk, eh? Because, like, then you might be fucking yourself over if the front group then catches Jorgensen again before the Muir. But on the other hand, you're also potentially helping yourself by catching that group before the Muir. It's.
1: Yeah, like, should, yeah, should a lot of the other teams like Trek have paced with Scones? I mean, Scones looks so good. He almost looked like he ride yeah. away. The interesting thing here is, though, with it all coming back together, is that, like, if, if Van der Poel had been here and they come, he comes in that group to the Muir, he just rides away, I think. Yeah. Sure. And so that's why it's it's kind of a dichotomy in that it worked out for Visma in the end. They had the numerical advantage. They did play the cards right. But then if you have Vanderpool, who's like Schoons, but obviously a, a little bit better, uh, it really <laughs> it throws a spanner in the works. Yeah. Well, Schoen's, was he's always good in hard races. Yeah. He's always good. In, he's really really good rider. Um. And I liked that he was active too. I liked that he was like, you know what, Baron, I'm not waiting for you guys just to roll me on the front and attack mm-hmm. you on the barren trees, And you, listen, he doesn't get a good result in the end. He finishes 27th, but he was really, really good today. Uh, so yeah, really exciting addition of Omloop. Benji. Anything
0: else we learnt? Everything else we... Quigstep don't v- look good. Yes, I agree with that take. But Moscon looks good, and I would sign good. him up for, for Roubaix when it comes to um, potentially res- having a good result there as well. I would say that the lease much better than I saw before in February. So yeah, yeah. his sprint at Almeria I wasn't fully, I was like, meh. And he dropped too early. So I was like, he might not actually be that great at Almero, but he showed up and he was, he was really good here. Visma is still on point. I think you. we need to...
1: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot
0: they arrived with six riders that could potentially win the race. And they ended up winning the race and they were in a winning position or potentially winning position for most of the race. Yeah, you said it. There was one moment where we were like, yeah, this could go wrong. But it was still a moment where they could still win because they still had three riders in the group.
1: So yeah, the worst thing for them is like Jorgensen gets caught with two Ks to go. <laughs> yes. It was actually <laughs> That's well, <a> problem. <laughs> it's, it's better that he gets caught in the Bosberg because then you're like, you got space to work. Yeah. Uh, which what Tradnik did. I'd uh, say Dylan Van Baal's positioning that seems to still be an issue for them. Yeah, uh, for sure. He didn't make that make that split uh, when he should be. So uh Decathlon looked very very good, like they were right a fourth and eleventh. Very very good. And I thought Pickcock was. I thought Pickcock was good, and I think he's going to be really good in the in the uh, Ardennes. These cobble climbs with these big boys, like turning a big gear is really tough for him. And then getting flicked on the flat at 60k's by Laporte on like these fast run-ins, he just is at such a disadvantage given his size. So I thought Pickcock was good today uh, and did the best he could really. I don't really know what he could have done too much differently, frankly. Um, he just it was had to play the hand he was dealt. Yep. But yeah, that's the men's omelette, Benji. Kerner, uh, tomorrow, I think we might have another good race. I don't know the wind conditions, but uh, Dali's not doing it. That's a, a bit of a shame, I think. Uh, I agree. It is what it is. Uh, Pithy's in, so maybe Pithy can be Dali. Uh, so now Dali can drop for
0: La next week and hopefully could yeah, that, that raised because that makes
1: no sense for me. <laughs> makes no sense. If we saw the group nearly come back for a sprint in Omlook today, <laughs> tomorrow there's 70k, 60k of flat, yeah, to the finish. So <laughs> What do you it, think when it comes to Philipsen come
0: tomorrow? Because he was good until the...
1: Nah, he got ruined on the climbs. He was, he was good because yeah. he's good at crosswind rider on the flat. And the second they got to the climbs,
0: But Kuruni is less hilly, eh?
1: Mm, the climbs but are gonna longer. But they're going to open it up on the The on climbs the are though. longer. That's true, but... No, he's a good rider. Like He can win Doisdour, for sure. If I was Alperson, I'd just go for the sprint. I would I would I think it's actually a risk to put Phillips in ahead. And I think then so. he'll get blown up and then you're left with a gap. Uh,
0: just keep pacing the chasing group the entire bloody day.
1: Yep. And maybe maybe Antomarche with Binny or, or yeah. Trek with Milan will help you. Like I think so too. Ten domestiques against a group of four can uh can do it. Uh, that's we'll just draw a bow on the men's race there. Uh, in the women's race, this was also a very good addition. Coverage started. After the men's race, it has the same final. So, from uh, the Molenberg onwards, or even no, the Wolvenberg onwards, it's the same as the men's race, 127 Ks. Didn't seem like it had the same crosswind action early pre coverage, Benji, mm-hmm. but SD Works took
0: control, right? Yeah, SD Works took control during the race, but there was one interesting move. And well, there were multiple interesting moves, but for me, obviously, once we switch from the men's race to the women's race, there's about 50k left in the race, and the first move I saw was a move by Longo Borghini, which was behind the breakaway. So, original breakaway of the day, Gafinovits, Magayash. Jesus, I ruined that name, Magayesh? something like that, Michael Collier, Marike de Groot, and Marike Meert, and that 5 women breakaway actually played some role, because with 44k to go, Longo Borghini attacked from the from the pelotonish group, relatively early in this race, and she decided to jump towards the breakaway and eventually drop them throughout the the uh, Behrendrys-Alveremberg segment of the race. So we're talking 35, 30-ish kilometers to go at this point. And then in the peloton, in that same phase, stuff was also hitting the fan because his D-works kept on pacing, but it was in two different ways for me, you know? Because, like, we had moves from other teams and then Wibus would respond. And then suddenly we would see Kopeki and Volring at the front as well. So I'm expecting that before the broadcast started, we probably saw, or we probably missed seeing like uh, was it Femke Marcus as well for SD Works in this race? We might have seen not, we might have not seen her already pacing before that moment. Because I and felt Majerus like when the broadcast started, the SD Works group, well the, the Peloton with the SD Works riders was already a bit reduced, you know?
1: And most importantly. Uh Marlon Royce was not in the race. Yep, and and was. I really feel like she wouldn't have paced necessarily, but I think she goes with ELB and, and goes with that move. Uh but she wasn't here. So I, I couldn't I think what SD works basically wanted to happen was and the right thing, keep ELB on like a reasonable gap. If it gets starts to really no one's pulling, okay, Volering pulled a little bit, but Puck Peterson was pulling unfinished to going. She was far too generous uh, helping SD Works uh, with their problems. She was pulling, but at least she, she had good legs. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure if you've gone through the full group. They catch the breakaway. That is group two. Also, oh, the ELB gets the breakaway, drops them immediately. She's looking. She's very strong. I rode past her, past my house, actually. So she'd been in Andorra. And this was someone else <laughs> in the Italian national champs kit. Um, so she'd been training up here and she goes, goes clear. Mariana Vos for Vizima Lisa Bike. Not a great classic campaign last year. She's in that group. Uh, Talita de Jong, Michael Kolger, Magalas, Gafinovitz, Mert, as well as Shirin Van Anroy protecting. She's not going to ride with the ELB ahead. Kasia Neviadoma, Biebers Volerin, Kopecky, Peterson. So it all looks still kind of on control for SD Works. They've got Numbers, they got the world champ. She rode away from everybody like they were nothing on the moor last year or before.
0: It still looks pretty well in control, right? Yep, it looks in control and my question was going to be that group has formed but what's going to happen before the Muir? Who's going to be pacing in that group? Because you mentioned the names and as works is there and Kopecky, Volering, Wibes, they have to choose between a potential leader to start the pacing. And they do that. I feel like Volering was doing most of the work towards the Muir von Gerardsbergen yeah. with Wibes and Kopecky kind of in the group. Keep in mind that Every now and then we've seen a Kopecki and a, and a Volring on the climbs before, already at the front of the group, kind of hammering it as well. So they've all done a bit of a share. Go ahead. Important note, and maybe why that
1: happened, was because when ELB went, Volring tried to do what I said Royce would have done, yeah. and she didn't get there. She got, she tried to go across to ELB on the flat, and she kind of not blew up, but she shat-spotaled yeah. and came back to the group. So maybe she was like, I don't got it. Because if I'm not closing her down here, I don't got it for the moor coming up. So. Uh, I guess that was actually good tactics and good communication. Uh, so credit where credit's due and that they immediately transitioned to managing the ELB gap because I still thought as long as they keep this reasonable, Koepke's going to nuke the Moor and we're good. Or well, they're good.
0: And I feel like, I feel like at this point we're talking about the women's edition of Omelope for not too long because we're now all, already at the Moor. We see Nivea Dolma coming to the front on the vest of the Moor trying to too put early. a bit of a of a tempo. I, I agree, it's too early. I expected her to do it on, like, the steeper segment of the climb, yeah. but she starts it on the vested, and then you are just waiting, right? I'm just waiting. Kopecky's basically in the wheel. When is she gonna go when we hit that steep segment? The actual Kapel, Kapelmuir segment of the Muir von Gerardsbergen, and Kopecky goes, Voss is in the wheel. Van Androoy was also there, and she was closing in quite a bit. Longa is getting caught as we're doing this, so yeah. she... she's there as well and she just about makes it over the top with these four riders. Nifia's almost not there so she she went early. Yeah. That might have cost her in the end perhaps because she kind of missed something to be able to follow these four on the actual Kapelmur section, the steep segment. Then I feel like we've spoken about that part of the race now. I feel like the most interesting part is yet to come.
1: Yeah, it was really interesting final. I thought the tactics and first of all, when I saw Van Anroy and Voss not immediately off the wheel of Kopecki. Yeah, I was like, we might have a classic season that's better than last year, because, <laughs> which I've been praying for. Because if you listen to our SD Works preview, like they had, the, they were the best team by far last year, and uh, we expected. I expected what I saw from Trek th- today. I sort of expected that last year. Okay, where yeah, yeah they don't have Kopecki, but they can. They got numbers. They got a lot of good riders, and I was like, and Voss as well. She was half-wheeling. She looked good. She looked in really in good shape. Uh, she'd already, I'm pretty sure she already won this season. Uh, uh, no, she did win, sorry. But she, she was good in some other stages in uh, Valencia a couple of weeks ago or yep. a week ago. And I was like, ooh, if Capecchi hasn't dropped them on the Moor, then dropping them on the Bosberg's not a formality either. Yep. And then we got this run into the Bosberg. Trek. I think, have two phases for me in this, this final. Yep. There's one phase where they sort of don't know what to do and they just pace really hard. And I thought, please, this is before the Bosberg, right after the Three phases. Mirror. Yeah, true. And I thought, with ELB and Van Aruy just start pacing and the two sprinters, Kopecky and Voss are just sitting in. And I thought, what the hell is going on here? This is like, I'm back in Australia and my world's upside down. <laughs> but I think they were just establishing the gap, maybe not wanting Volering to come back.
0: Potentially, maybe they want the gap to be significant enough to to make sure no SD works. riders are, are near. Because at this point, I have no clue where Wiebes is either. Like, Volring Wiebes kind of expected Wiebes to be closer at this point, not going to lie, because she became more versatile last year. And today, I feel like that was kind of missing when I expected it to be there, even though she got far into Amlo. But I expected her to be closer on, on the Muur van Gerardsbergen. And you're right, that phase on the Bosberg, Kopeki made that move, Vos follows. Van Androoy just holds on, Longo is in trouble, but she returns just after the Bolsberg, so we've got the same group that we started the Bolsberg with, we just noticed some weakness when it comes to Longo and also a tiny bit when it comes to Van Androoy, because she only just held on to the, the front to riders, so we know Kopecki and Voss are the strongest, we know that Kopecki could drop Voss on the move on Gerardsbergen and we know that Van Android is a slight bit weaker and longer. has spent quite a bit of effort, so she, that might come her costly. And then we see the phase where oh, but, goes I, to but, phase but that,
1: I thought that was a huge risk from Trek. Yep. To not anticipate before the Bozberg. What if Kapeka yep. just rides away? And she nearly did from Van Androy. Now, maybe the two sprinters, yeah. maybe the two sprinters don't relay with each other and then you come back, okay? that maybe that's like the IQ meme and I'm the one in the middle and actually the far right one is knowing that um, the 180 IQ is knowing that actually the two sprinters won't relay, but I thought one of them should have anticipated in the flat before the Bosberg.
0: I'm not sure about that. I think of it in the way of anticipating before the Bosberg will make it so that whoever the leftover track rider is that is stuck with Kopeki and Voss will be attacked by them on the Bosberg and the chance of the track rider ahead being caught by the person that attacks on the Bosberg would be big in my head.
1: Yeah, because I I, f- I was just seeing very uncooperative vibes between Kopecky yeah. and Voss. Yeah. I was; those two were not immediately snapping onto any wheels. Like when Pagatcha was uh, um, with Vanderpool and and Wout in the e3 final, he didn't get any breathing space. He yeah. when I attacked, bang! They're just like on his wheel. Here, <laughs> yeah. I was seeing more breathing space. Uh, but. Yeah, sorry, after the Bosberg, Benji, that's where Trek really started to work
0: well. Yes, that is correct. They switched to phase two, the, the phase two <laughs> you mentioned, which is rolling attacks on the other riders, which is the, the go-to strategy. Yes, they've showed some weakness on the Bosberg, but they're still trying. Tenketio, Longo Borghini is the first one to attack. Kopecki responds. Vos kind of looks at Van Androy for a bit, and Van Androy starts closing it, and then Van Android does her elbow, and then Voz does the last bit. So, you see that Voz is also tactically, like, trying to eat the plate of her competition before she's eating her own plate. Well, I don't even know if that was the right expression, but we'll take it. And that's how it comes back together. And then, a few kilometers later, we get the exact same scenario. 6k to go, Van Andro is the next one. She goes, Voz reacts with Kopeki in the wheel. And Longo Burkini's on a bit of a gap. So it's kind of like. They're rolling attacks, but the second rider of Trek is also kind of being attacked because she's having trouble to follow the other two. You know? It's like the yeah, perfect see, scenario is that it can follow okay. the other riders, but it's still okay. You're right. Well, but it, it kept the going. Pro- eh?
1: The problem is, the other two, they have the, that snap that when yeah. they sprint to close it. And that's why Kapiki was, I guess, doing that. Uh, the. Yeah, they just don't have that snap to stay in the wheel. I guess they can count on at least when the other rider's caught, they can come back with momentum. And that kept on happening. And so, Kopecky's closed a few. Voss has closed maybe one. Van Roy goes hard. Voss immediately, she knew it was coming, sprints into the wheel. Kopecky doesn't close it. Looks at ELB for a second. And that's when I was like, Voss is going to win. And not in the way she eventually does. Spoiler alert. She goes with Van Anroy, And I'm like Capecchi's behind Voss is going to see And not a small gap either Like properly yeah. out of the draft Like on the gap Capecchi's struggling Voss is just going to relay immediately And maybe she was cooked Maybe she just had diamonds in the legs And knew she'd win the uphill drag And sprint I don't know But Voss Takes a long time to relay I thought yeah. the second she, sh- she saw Capecchi uh, off the wheel She was going to just like Full gas go Because she's going to beat Van Anroy In the sprint Yep. And uh, she does relay eventually, but Kopecky does close it down. But that's the big tell. That if Kopecky's struggling here on the flat, then the sprint finish, Voss
0: is surely the favorite. Yeah, no, I found it curious because I didn't expect Kopeki to be off the wheel. So I was like, is she bluffing now? But it wouldn't make sense to bluff at that point because you're no. actively self-sabotaging. It's what it? if Voss just pulls. Yeah, you're actively self-sabotaging yourself. And on top of that, what was weird is... She then kind of closes it down, but then stays on, like, a few meters for a bit. Yeah, she was cooked. And when... Who, who was the next to attack? So, let me, let me go to my notes again. here. Yeah, Longoborghini is the one that comes past and goes again, and then Kopeki has it to follow. Of course, Longoborghini's attacks are not that spicy anymore after all the attacks we've had already at this point. And Vos is in the wheel of Kopeki. and now Valandro is gapped again. And now she's coming back. And... Now we're heading towards the final sprint. So we've had all these attacks, but the final sprint is coming. We know that shown some weakness in the last two kilometers. So I was like, I was kind of hoping Voss would win. This is her first edition of Omlov. Oh, Do you know that?
1: I didn't know that, but no, I was hoping that Van Enroy would win. Uh, really? The, the young rider.
0: I was on uh, Voss's page because that would mean oh, that nice, we've had. It'd be nice to see Voss. Because but... I want competition for the rest of the, the classics, and she has a sprint while Van Enroy well, has less of a sprint. Coming into the
1: final K. I knew Kapeki's not winning. I know yeah. that for sure. Kapeki can make Voss lose, and Trek can still win. And we saw this in Kernel last year with Van Hoydonk and Benoit. You can avoid a sprint up to the finish. Never give up. If you have the two worst sprinters in the group, Visma didn't last year, but let's Van Anroy and ELB are the two worst sprinters in this group. Yes. Never give up playing the numbers even late. It only takes Kapeki going to close it. Being too cooked and then letting the wheel go and her and Voss looking at each other, that could have happened. I still think Trek could have won. But Van den Ruy, I, and I know they're cooked, I know they're max heart rate, but I don't, I don't think they should have given up
0: on that because you're and? still going to come third. Your podium's guaranteed whatever happens. There's two ways they can do that, right? As in, they can roll attacks and keep going doing that. Longo Borghini yeah, mm. could have done another move or Van Andor could have done another move at that point. Or the other thing you can do is, you lead out, but you stop too early, forcing yes. your opponents to sprint too early. But neither of that happened, right?
1: I thought if Van, I was like, if Van Enroy stops here at 500 meters, yeah. and just fully stops, the other two will freewheel. And if ELB gets some run into their wheels, she can get a gap, and that's all you need. So I thought it was still possible if Van she leads out the whole time. Voss comes out of her wheel, jumps earlier, 200 to go. Uphill drag. Looked like her sprinter, Hennwebelhem 21, and yep. wins easily. She even stopped at 50 meters to go to look behind her, to see, are you still there? Saw so Pecky was still there. And uh, she, then she sprinted again and put another bike length gap in. So Voss Vos is boss. Yep. Looks like she's back. Looks so good on the climbs. Wins the sprint in dominant fashion. Uh, and takes a big win ahead of the world champion Lotte Kopecka, who's looked unassailable in one-day races like this for the last year and a half. Elb third with Trek, uh, taking fourth as well. With Van Anroy. So they they did. I thought Trek did a pretty good job. Uh, they were the way they really were the animators of this final. So kudos yep. to little Trek two riders. Uh Talita de Jong on Lotto Destiny yeah. takes fifth in an in an uphill sprint against Volering, uh, the thirty-year-old. She's in 23, she went nowhere, really, in the last two years. Uh, so that's her best result in quite a while. Uh, and then Nuvie 7th, Peter 8th, Vibas was then, they were a minute back, by the way, Peter, uh, Viber's on 153, and Balsamo won the big bunch sprint ahead of Norsgaard for the top 10 position. So two really good races, Benji. And uh, the women's, it was kind of good because there wasn't too much action pre the men's finishing. It seemed a pretty status quo affair with a breakaway and STX pacing, and and then all that action in the
0: uh, in the final 30k's was really really good. Yeah, it was a great race. It was a a great last uh, 35ish kilometers. And I don't know, it's it's a bit chaotic for me the the women's race being after the men's race and having to handle both races very close together because I'm still when the men's race finishes, I would need like some time to like mentally recover before watching another race, even though, like, I wouldn't be able to watch, like, any other race, like, in the next half an hour with, like, fully full attention, but it, it was, like, it was actually a good race, so th- that makes it so much better, you know, so I don't know, it, it improves broadcasting numbers to have the women's race finish after the men's yeah. race, but I feel like it's not a lot of mental pressure on, on the viewer. <laughs> At least for me.
1: And I think, just not having Kepeki right away on the Muir, yep. I was like, holy shit, this is so good. And, and like, also... Nothing against her, but I want to see some competition here.
0: Not just her, the fact that Weebus wasn't close, the fact that Volring wasn't Yeah. Wasn't showing like, S-tier level form either, they're probably going to get better, unfortunately. Well, yeah. fortunately for them, but unfortunately for... She still came for, second. <laughs> like... In Strade, we might see, a, might see a pretty damn good race in Strade. By the time we hit Paris Roubaix, I'm expecting Kopeki to clean that. As a Belgian man, I hope You're gonna so. you going
1: to jinx it again. Dude, they're cursed in that
0: race. <laughs> they did it to himself, so it's not a curse. Well, I mean,
1: yeah. But that was a really, really good opening uh, start to opening weekend. Tomorrow, is there a women's kerner?
0: Or no? Uh, there's uh, Dwarsdorf at Hageland. How do I know? Because. Uh, I actually forgot that De Kageland existed on the on the day of Kurna, but when I came from the UK to Belgium, Brussels Airport has a horrible bike system. As in, I always have to wait like 45 minutes to an hour before my bike arrives. I was standing really? there at Has with a Hess Cycling. Ah they uh, have it cyclist. out before
1: the they have it out before the normal luggage.
0: Yeah, true. And I was there with uh, with Holly from Hess Cycling. Uh, a fellow, well, I was going to say a fellow cyclist, but I'm obviously not a cyclist. <laughs> a fellow, a fellow cycling person. <laughs> I, she's racing Dwarzor et Gagelon, so okay. that's why I, I was reminded.
1: But the big guns aren't doing it like Voss and uh, Kpeki, I don't believe.
0: bt works, Balsamo's there, I think.
1: Okay, Balsamo probably the favorite in that case. Uh, otherwise, around the traps, Jonas Vingergaard didn't want was it Castrilli, Castrilli, Castrillo Castrillo uh, to win in the breakaway in Ográn Camino. Oh. And he rode away on basically a nothing climb, the Poggio and did big, big numbies and also a crazy descent. So i got to go watch that descent. Probably the Visma directors who are focused on envelope will be looking at that descent for the tour being be like, Oh my God, <laughs> <laughs>
0: wet Galicia is full scent.
1: He dropped Castrillo on the descent, but maybe he's not Basque. So he doesn't but- have the descending ability.
0: Can we talk about the fact that a few days in a row now, we see attacks from Vingegaard, Carapaz, Bernal in the breakaway formation phase? Yeah, let's go. How? Why? (laughs) Why are they doing that? KOM. (laughs) KOM!
1: Dude, Vingegaard hasn't won KOM at O'Gran Camino before. (laughs) So maybe he has last year. He's got to pick it up. Pick up his act. Uh... He wins that stage, and he'll probably win tomorrow as well. It's like a 10k, percent finish, uh, yeah. and he uh, looks a bit too good there. Uh, Fortnite-ish classic, Ayuso, very, very strong sprint. Put Gregoire, Schielmoser and Gull on a gap in the finish there, which is very, very impressive, knowing there flat sprint. Schielmoser is no slouch himself, and Gregoire, we know. So, big win for Ayuso. i got to watch, catch that back up. Uh, but that's encouraging for him. And UAE Tour, Tim Merle, I did watch this one. Yep. he is the best there. He was getting pretty <laughs> shitty draft for the last 500 meters. He's uh, having to sprint up into position and then he just opens up early off Sirica who was thinking about, ooh, do I put you in the barriers? And he didn't, thank God. He, he straightened up eventually. I know it is a chicane. So it is, it, the sprinters do get induced to take the straight line, which isn't actually holding their line. Uh, but yeah, Merley is just too good. And he beats Decline another second place, Bauhaus, third, Fratin, fourth, Sirica, fifth, uh, and uh, Coy and who didn't get it right today so they're out of the top 10 so Muller just he looks the best guy outside of Phillipson who we haven't seen except in a non-sprint race today but we'll maybe yep. see Philipson tomorrow uh, we'll see, see them ahead against each other in I think uh, Paranis or Terreno. I believe they're doing going head-to-head there so that'll be really nice to see uh, but that's it Benji we'll be back with Kerner tomorrow uh, where will we see a sprint I'm actually much more hopeful tomorrow for a very close race. So I think today bodes well for that. I Mm -hmm. hope you enjoyed our coverage of the opening uh, of Omelope Head Nürzblatt. And uh, we'll see you with Kerner tomorrow. Until then, Mm -hmm. ciao.